Mueller and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's up, Steelers Nation? I am Tom Opperman. Sitting right across from me is Kellen Gursky. We are the Steelers Saturday crew, but we're getting a fill-in for our boys, Euler and Motes, today. And what a better day to fill in for those Ooh. guys than the first official Victory Monday of the year. It's kind of hard to believe that I'm saying that. We had to yeah. wait until the middle of October to get our first Victory Monday of the season, but here we are. Here we are, and I tell you what, a much-needed win. I, I wouldn't have expected we'd have to wait wait until week six to get to uh, oh, your first Victory Monday, but... I tell you what, believe it or not, the Steelers are still in it, and that defense proved something to me last night. And this is a this is I don't want to say this is where you want to be by any stretch, <laughs> but things aren't as bad as they look. No, Steelers beat the LA Chargers last night on the road. They moved to two and four, and you, you said they're kind of right. They're not right back no, in it, but, but they still have a pulse. And it's kind of like in those movies where the loved one kind of flatlines, and yeah. everybody hangs their head, and they think, "Oh, they're gone." And then all of a sudden, you hear that little. Yeah. And it's like, whoa! And everybody starts looking again, and they're, they're back alive on yeah. life support. And I really doubted this team going into the Chargers game. On our Steelers Saturday show, I actually picked against the mm -hmm. Steelers. I thought the Chargers, you know, were going to play a little bit more desperate. I thought, you know, they really are still in this race, especially with the Chiefs ending up losing right. earlier in that day. You'd think, oh, the Chargers could get right back into this division race to be a game back mm -hmm. of the first-place Kansas City Chiefs. But... No, it was the Steelers that went out there and played like a team that's desperate, played like a team that's in a must-win, and, and just blew the doors off of the Chargers early. They did, and they dominated really for three quarters. Uh, they kept the Chargers at arm's length. You really never had a doubt until later in the game, and something, you know, the, the Chargers got going a little bit. The Steelers kind of just wanted to keep them in front, but uh, the Steelers played desperate. They played like a team that needed a win, and and L.A. didn't, uh, surprisingly enough. They, they, at halftime, I'm pretty sure the, on the, on the uh, game broadcast on TV, you know, Tony Dungy said it was inexcusable for the Chargers to play the way they did in the first half, and, and he was right. I mean, they didn't play like a team that needed a win. And we're going to get into the Steelers' defense a little bit later on in the show. We'll get into the offense, too. Mm -hmm. We'll break down this game from all angles as we move our way through these next two hours with you here on Steelers Blitz on SNR. But uh, real quick, right at the beginning, it, it struck me how the Chargers seemed a little lackadaisical out there yeah. to start the game. You know, like we've said, it was a big game for them. They get a chance to get off the schneid a little bit, get to 3-3, three and three and pull into a game behind the Chiefs for that division. And... They came out so flat to me, man. Like the first couple drives for the Chargers looked awful, and you got to credit the Steelers' defense. Yeah. But then again, there's a Hall of Famer at quarterback under center for LA. You'd think they'd have come out and not maybe put some points up, but they couldn't even get Sustained the ball to midfield. Drives, it right. seemed. Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right, and it was shocking to say the least. You know, the first couple drives for uh, LA, you could have not watched and not missed a thing, honestly. And that's kind of wild to, to say in a team that was as desperate as the Chargers were. But, I mean, I, like I'm looking at my notes right now. I, I wrote down every play of the first five drives for L.A. and the first three drives for the Steelers. And I thought once I was doing that, I had a pretty good idea of what, uh, what each offense was doing. And that's kind of crazy. Only five drives in, you have an idea of what each team's trying to do. And for the Chargers, it wasn't good. But on the flip side of that, man, the Steelers did what they needed to do. First drive was a punt. 
Then there's yeah. obviously the fumble return for a touchdown by Devin Bush. Mm-hmm. Then an interception thrown by Phillip Rivers to the hands of Devin Bush, by yeah. the way. We'll get to him in a little bit. Punt again, and then a missed field goal. So very pathetic first half for the L.A. Chargers. And when you're a team at home, well, quote, kind un- of. <laughs> quote unquote at home, it was kind of like a Steelers crowd there. Yeah. But when you're a team at home, you have to come out and start strong. You have to punch a struggling Steelers team in the mouth, especially since they have a third-string quarterback, because you got to think the mindset's going to be, okay, if L.A. can get out to a 7 nothing, 10 nothing lead early, they're going to force Doc Hodges into right. making throws to try to bring the Steelers back in this football game. And for the Chargers, unfortunately, they never got that early mm-hmm. lead. And for the Steelers, they they set up a very comfortable lead early on that helped Duck get a little comfortable behind the pocket, let maybe simplify the game plan a little bit for the offense. Right. And honestly, I, I don't – and this is going to sound maybe weird, but the Steelers' offense went conservative after they got up 14. I don't know if that was a game plan going in. Uh, you know, that first, uh, first drive, the first play of the first drive for the Steelers, uh, Duck went deep to Juju, albeit it was underthrown and incomplete. Could have been a catch. And though. it could have been a catch. It was a, tough, it was a tough adjustment, but probably a catch that Juju should have made. But it's funny, I was listening to the, the national broadcast, and Collinsworth, what he said, I, I wrote it down here, not, the Steelers are not shy about having Duck at quarterback. This is what they're going to do. They're going to let him throw. And I kind of sat there. I was like, yeah, they probably are. But then after two defensive, uh, one defensive touchdown and another big defensive turnover, then all of a sudden the Steelers are like, okay, maybe we don't have to let Duck chuck it as much as maybe we thought we did. Now we can play a little bit more conservatively, and it, it worked. I don't think that was a game plan, but, man, the Chargers kind of made it easy on them. And one of the things that you know I think that conservative game planning – worked in the favor for was the the third down efficiency that the Steelers showed all game eight for 12 or, or excuse me eight for 13 on third downs yeah probably their best mark of the entire season off the top of my head they were able to sustain drives pick up first downs on third down which is huge and that's something that you really hadn't seen from the Steelers team right in the past with Mason Rudolph as the quarterback and even dating back to that Patriots game when Big Ben was right. under center is you get a third down a third and five a third and six and they couldn't convert them. Mm-hmm. You end up punting the ball back. Three, eight for 13 on third down efficiency here in this game. That means you're extending drives. You're yep. keeping your defense off the field and rested, and you're causing that defense that's a little banged up to have to play without one of their best players, Melvin Ingram, right? and have to stop a running game that was starting to get a little downhill for the Steelers as the game wore on and the defense for the Chargers got tired. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing about being eight for 13 on third down was they were manageable third downs. Very rarely did you see third and six or more. Honestly, the entire night, you, you really heard, never you heard saw Tom that. would say they never got behind schedule. Right, well, no. When they, he says that, he's saying they right. always keep it at third and five, third and short. Yeah, and that's that's the game plan. And obviously, the running attack was much better, and that allowed that to happen. I think the running game had kind of a coming-out party against, uh, uh, albeit a, a beat-up uh, L.A. defense. But still, nonetheless, uh, a, a decent defense, and the Steelers took advantage. But like I said, the biggest thing, as Tomlin said, was staying ahead of schedule, staying ahead of the sticks, not allowing yourself to get to third and long. And it, it really shows what a good running game can do for this team. Uh, when that running game clicks, I think everything else just falls in line. And it was great to see them stick with the running game. They yes. only averaged 3.4 yards per rush on the ground, 124 total yards on the ground for the Steelers against the L.A. Chargers. They ran the ball 36 times. Yeah. Though. So you're not, you'd like to see the yards per attempt be closer to 4.0, yeah. 4.1 yards per attempt on the ground. Sure. 3.4 is not that great, but I just love the, the, uh, the willingness to just keep – 
quote unquote bang your head against the wall, if you will, and just keep pounding that rock away, salt away this Chargers defense. And you saw it pay off because later in the game, Benny Snell started to really rip off some pretty favorable runs and he started looking good out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. That's the brand of Benny Snell football that he's talking about. I'm all in for that. I mean, he looked really, really good. And this is a guy that a lot of people were questioning whether he would make this roster in, in training camp. And came in, played special teams, but I think that was a good coming out party for Benny Snell. I mean, he had 89 total yards. Uh, he had a catch for 14 and obviously 75 on the ground. That's the one that really sticks that's, out to me. That's pretty impressive. 17 carries, 75 yards on the ground for Benny Snell. Steelers looking for that running back. Steelers looking for that guy that can be the, not the bell cow, but can be a guy that's going to get 18, 19 carries a game, and he's going to get you north of 70 yards. And for the first time, they finally had it. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's funny. You know, I don't want to be the first. You know, we, you've mentioned this on, on our Steelers Saturday show. I was kind of the first one that, that asked for this running back by committee, committee because Connor really hadn't shown anything yet. I mean, he's had a couple good games, but he hasn't been the guy that I think a lot of people thought he would be. He hadn't been the, that number one yet. So I think it was good that the Steelers got Connor and Snell involved. Obviously, Snell out-toted Connor you know, by about 35 yards, but Connor got beat up later in the game. Um, but still, if you, if you have two guys that can go out there and do that, that's not an easy thing for a defense no. to stop. Even though this Chargers defense was beat up, I, I think that's a tough task for any defense. They're two completely different styles of runner. Right, and we'll get a little bit more into the offense for the Steelers against the Chargers in about 10 minutes here. But before we do, I, w I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this right off the bat. What a great game from Mike Tomlin, and what a huge win. One of the best wins, I think, in the Tomlin era, just because of the circumstances. Right. You have, first of all, your Hall of Fame quarterback goes down at the beginning of the season. <laughs> yeah. So now you're up to your second string guy, second year player, hasn't had any NFL experience Starting to kind of, you know, he's starting get to get his sea legs yeah. a little bit under him until he gets taken out by Earl Thomas mm -hmm. in the Ravens game. So now you got your third string, Devlin Hodges. You cut him when training camp was over because you didn't have enough room for him. Then you trade Josh Dobbs. You get the opportunity to sign him back to your practice squad. And then two to three weeks later, oh, my God, he's the starting right. quarterback. That's something that is a death sentence in the NFL. Yeah. And no one really would expect a team to go on the West Coast against a team that's trying to fight to stay at 500 yeah. to stay in their division race that was a Super Bowl contender earlier in the True. year before the season started no one would expect a team to travel across the country with a third string undrafted quarterback from the FCS and pull off the upset um, you could maybe talk into being a close game right but not pull off the upset and not win in the way that the Steelers did so I feel like he gets bashed for almost every loss. Yeah. Even if it's not his fault he, mm -hmm. get, he gets a fair share of the criticism whenever the Steelers come up with an L he has to be getting showered with praises, rose petals at his feet for what he did last night yeah. in L.A. I, I mean, mean, that is a hell of a win. It is. And if he isn't, he should be. Um, and uh, like you said, that's he, a death He definitely sentence. doesn't seem like he is no. to the point where he should be. It's kind of like, right. oh, wow, what a win, whatever. Right, right. And he should be. I mean, like you said, it's a death sentence when you walk in with your third-string quarterback against a team on the West Coast that you historically really don't play great on the West Coast. And it's funny, man. I keep bringing up Chris Collinsworth, but he, he said it in the in the national broadcast. He's like, this is a proud franchise. They're not going to back down from any challenge. They're, they're going to go in here and play their brand of football, even with a third-string quarterback. And you got to tip your cap to that entire coaching staff, the organization, last night. I mean, that was – 
as good as you could have had it with a third string guy at the helm. It was the personification of the standard is the standard. Yes. And, and I mean, you want to talk about a next man up. Not only are you going on the road with a third string quarterback, but like we just mentioned earlier in this segment, their third string running back had a a Great massive game. contribution yeah. to this game. I mean, you could argue that they don't salt that win away without Benny Snell running the clock out yeah. in the fourth, third, and fourth quarter. Right, and you wouldn't have expected that with, with Jalen Samuels going down. You know, everyone was like, oh, you know, Edmonds is probably going to get promoted. Maybe he'll get some touches. Didn't have a carry in the game, but Benny didn't allow him to. Benny just straight up balled. I, I mean, this is the first time that we've seen this kid in a, uh, a, a bigger role. This is his first, I guess, test in the NFL and he definitely succeeded. I wouldn't be surprised moving forward, even when Samuels does get more healthy and get back in what's going to be a month, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Benny Snell right. get some more spin. I, I think he deserves it, yeah. frankly, after the performance. And you, you mentioned there how Collinsworth said this is a very proud franchise. Mm-hmm. They're not just going to roll over. Again, I, I don't want to you know, credit him too much and just spend the whole time just slobbering all over Mike Tomlin, but I kind of feel like he deserves it after right. a win like this because – it is so easy to have a team that's one and four suffered some really close losses, especially lately. Yep. The heartbreaker to the Ravens last week at home to lose focus, to kind of, you know, roll over on the season and not go out and not try to win. But right. you, your your intensity is not where it should be. And there's fight and practice earlier this right. week before the L.A. Chargers game. So there's still some fire there on the defensive side of the ball and the offense isn't going to have it. You know, they want to the offense wants to step up. And the ability for Mike Tomlin to continue to get these guys to buy in, yeah. to continue to get these guys to believe that, hey, we still have something to play for here. Mm-hmm. I want you to go out there and give it 110%. I want yeah. you to go out there and place our Steelers brand of football. You know, we're not going to roll over. No. This isn't a franchise that rolls over and says, oh, let's throw our hands up in the air. Duck Hodges is our quarterback. We'll, we'll get him next year. No, Tomlin wants to win this year. And it's incredible that he has the ability to – continue to keep his players focused and continue to keep that locker room on his side even though they're going through incredible struggles it's a testament to how good of a coach he is and how much the players on that team really love him yeah for sure and and again you know uh was listening to the radio broadcast and post game i think tunch i think it was tunch and billy at the end there that's what tunch said he said it was a great job by tomlin and company to not allow this team to lose focus to not you know not that they would roll over but it's not necessarily a hard thing to do after a heartbreaking loss to Baltimore then you go on the west coast you're one and four you have a third string guy at the helm it's not exactly easy to I don't want to say believe but that's a tough situation to walk into that's a tough situation to to come out from and get a win that really as we said right at the start kind of puts you back in it ish you're not back in it you still have to take care of your business but Man, this is a pretty good spot to be after starting off one and four. Well, I mean, you figure you got the bye week coming up, and then you yeah. got the Dolphins after that, so you're sitting at three and four. Uh, yeah, most obstens- likely. Obstensively. Right. I don't want to count wins before we have them because, right. you know, the Steelers not exactly the gr- greatest team this year, but the yeah. Dolphins are one of the worst teams in football I've no ever doubt. seen, and they might actually be trying to lose. But you can chalk it up to a win there on Monday night when they return from the bye. So that's three and four. And then all of a sudden you're staring at the Indianapolis Colts coming into Heinz Field for a 1 p.m. kick the week after that. It's a huge game on the schedule yeah. now. And if you can win that and get back to 500, you are in the playoff race. Yeah, I you're mean, they, right it, back in it. There's no, oh, just a little blip on the, the life monitor. You you are firmly entrenched in the wild card race. And if this division keeps going the way it is, and I know Baltimore is kind of pulling away a little bit, but they've got some tough sledding yeah. coming up, especially this week against Seattle. You can be right there, a game back of Baltimore with another trip to Baltimore on the line. So 
if you can get to four and four, if you can win these next two games and you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, you are firmly entrenched in this playoff race, which is shocking. Yes. From where they were three weeks ago. Absolutely. Two weeks ago. Yeah. I, I, if you had told me that a couple weeks ago, I, I don't know. I don't know if I wouldn't have believed you, but it would have taken a lot of, you know, searching and but eh, maybe. But to be where they are now, if you get to four and four, you're right back in it and. I mean, not just Baltimore has a, a tough schedule coming up. Cleveland has a tough schedule coming up, too. And that's over the next four or five weeks. Both of them have tough schedules. So if the Steelers take care of business, they could have a share of first place come Halloween. And the Steelers are tied with the Browns right now. Right. They have the same exact record as the Super Bowl-hyped Cleveland Browns. Yeah. And look at all the turmoil the Steelers have gone through. And right. They're sitting at 2-4, and four and you still have two games against Cleveland. Right. And, I mean, it's I saw Adam Crowley tweeted this last night. You know, the Steelers had their third-string quarterback last night and there's they're what two and four now what's the browns excuse and, and they really haven't been hit by the injury bug nearly as much as the steelers are and yet here the steelers sit you know just two games out of first and tied for second place the steelers do have their third string quarterback duck hodges he got his first nfl win yesterday in his first nfl start we'll break down his performance a little bit more when we come back it's steelers blitz with tom opperman and kellen gersky filling in for euler motes This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Tom Offerman and Kellen Gersky filling in for Euler and Motes on a Steelers Blitz victory Monday here on SNR. And, you know, you got to tip your cap to that Steelers offense last night. I know the defense was the, the side of the ball that really carried the team to win, but... The offense was effective enough, and that's all you can ask for when you have a third-string quarterback out there. And and Devlin Hodges, uh, you can't say he did a great job because he threw for under 200 yards passing, but as far as managing a football game goes, getting a much-needed win and and not really trying to do too much as a third-string quarterback, I'd give him a B-plus for his performance out there. He was great in that aspect. Definitely, and as you said, he managed the game about as well as you can as a a third-string guy and – I mean, yes, he did throw that interception in the game, but that didn't hurt them. You know, it was a turnover that, yeah, might have been costly, but, you know, the, the Chargers only scored 17 points. It's not like, you know, he threw went out there and threw three interceptions and they led all directly to points. He managed the game. He didn't take any unnecessary risks. He just checked it down when he needed to. He saw every, every time he saw an open guy, whether it was five yards downfield or 10 yards downfield, he got them the ball immediately. And, you know what, for, for a third-string guy, guy from Samford and FCS school, you tip your cap to that guy, for sure. And, Kellen, you said that you think, you know, maybe the conservative game uh, call play calling mm-hmm. that came with the Steelers' offense was a uh, uh, result of the defense right. getting out to such an early lead, and you're kind of sitting back and saying, whoa, okay, so we don't have to all of a sudden sling it anymore. It's already 7 to nothing thanks to Devin Bush. Uh, to me, though, I feel like, and you might be right, they might have been willing to sling it a little earlier mm-hmm. in that game if the Steelers were 0-0 or maybe they were down to the Chargers. But right. I think this is, I know it's not sexy, but it is the best way to go about winning a football game when you're down to your third-string quarterback because he played great in the game management aspect, but he still isn't a good quarterback. I mean, when you look out there, and he's not. 
no. especially at this point. Now, I'm not saying he can't grow. I'm not saying that he could carve out a very nice career as maybe a backup in the NFL or maybe even a fringe starter mm-hmm. at some point. But at this point, he's very raw. Yeah. And it's you can't expect him to be anything else. He's no. an undrafted free agent for a reason. Right. And he's on the road, technically. Now, technically, of course, right. that crowd was, was it, was the, it was the best road game that you could have asked for if yes. you were a young quarterback starting in the NFL. But but he's still in a different country. He's halfway across the country. Right. It's different countries in a different state, halfway yeah. across the country. And that's tough for yes. a rookie quarterback to step in. And I think that a conservative game plan is maybe the best way to, to you know, calm the nerves down, get the confidence going because they're short passes. Right. And obviously the defense helped out. And we'll talk about the defense later. I mean, they gave you seven to give you an early lead. That's definitely a confidence boost for a young guy. But yeah, you're right. And, and I, I, you know, I'm not so quick to say he's not a good quarterback or can't be, uh, maybe as you are, but I, I think with that game, he, he firmly showed why he should be the number three here. I, I don't I don't think that's far-fetched by any stretch. And, you know, in a pinch, maybe in the later in the year, you don't want to see Rudolph go down again. But I, I think you at least know what you have if that situation does arise again. You do know, okay, at least he's got an NFL game under his belt, and he got a win. It might not have been pretty. It might not have been sexy. But we know what we have. And I think that's, that's a good thing to know at this point. When you are down to your backup and your third string guy, who are your starter and your number two now, I think that's a, that's a, a big deal. And that's a great point. It's just exciting to sit here and and see him go out there and get a win because right. again, no one was very really expecting that. And I think a fair critique of his game is that he was a game manager. He didn't do too much, but he got the job done. Yeah. You said he had the one turnover, but it wasn't as costly as it could have been. Right. And it could have been a lot worse. Absolutely. I mean, he could have thrown the first pass to Juju that was underthrown. He could have missed it by even more, and it's picked off, and it's going the other way, and it changes the entire tone of the ball game. Right. But, you know, he takes a shot early. Then he decides to go a little bit more conservative on the rest of that drive. They punt the ball away, and then bada-bing, bada-boom, your defense puts you on the board. Right, uh, and you can't ask for much more. And, you know, and I'm not saying that Hodges – you know, went down and threw the ball, you know, deep down the field. I think he only averaged 6.6 6 right. yards of completion. He was 15 for 20, and he only had like 138 yards. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, that was what the situation called for, and the defense was playing well enough to where you didn't have to take deep shots. You could take short check downs, which really kind of are an extension of the running game, even though it's not technically a run. Uh, you get your running backs involved, and obviously Connor was oh. unreal early in that game. I mean, he was the workhorse. And that second drive, I look back at my notes, there were seven plays on that second drive the Steelers had after the uh, interception. There were seven plays. Connor got the ball on each of them, on all seven. It went to him whether it was a pass or a run, and he ended up scoring a 13-yard touchdown. That right there is showing confidence in in James Connor that, yes, that he can be a number one running back. And there, there's been some doubt around Steeler Nation and around the media, I think, about Connor just because he hasn't had that game yet. But, man, he looked like a number one at least early in that first half. There's no doubt about that. Well, I'm glad you brought up the running backs because they were crucial in helping Devlin Hodges have a successful game, both Benny Snell and James Connor. And when it comes to James Connor, it's not on the ground that he's getting the job done. It's through the air. He was the Steelers' leading receiver by a long shot yesterday. The only other person that got more than one catch was Deontay Johnson, and he had two catches for 14 yards. Uh, Juju was targeted four times. He was the second most targeted guy, but Connor targeted seven times, caught all seven of the passes, 78 yards, scored a touchdown. He's averaging 11.1 yards per reception. It was a safety foul for Devlin Hodges out there was James Connor, and 
what was great about it is watching that game, it's not like Hodges dropped back to pass and just immediately checked down at James Conner. No. You could see him making his reads yep. and seeing who was open in the receiving side of things. And when all of his receivers were covered or he just didn't trust the pocket enough to, to keep him upright for them to continue to run their routes and, and get open, he was quick to turn to Conner and dump it off. It wasn't like he was staring and, and locked into James Conner. He was just playing smart. Right. And it's nice to see James Conner get involved in this way. Again, though, only 16 carries for 41 yards on the ground. That's only 2.6 yards per carry. He's having trouble running the football. Mm -hmm. uh, that's very clear. Getting him out into space is huge, and I hope to see the Steelers continue to use him in the passing game because the second game of the year, he's been very successful. Right, and I think I think they will. I think that is going to be the plan to allow you know Connor to get going a little bit more. And yes, it's not technically in the running game, but as I said, it's an extension of the running game, and for him to you know get the ball in his hands with a little bit more space to work. There's, right, there's not a, a defensive line in front of him. He it's more open field. He, he has a little bit more time to think, okay, well, where is this linebacker going to come from? How can I make this guy miss? Whereas if you get a handoff, it's, oh, there's a defensive tackle at my ankles. Now this linebacker's coming, and I don't really have anywhere to go. It, it's, it definitely can help Connor's mojo for sure. And it's weird because Connor was going to be the back that you can hand the ball off to in the I formation. Mm -hmm. He's going to go right, right at that defensive line and plow his way for four or five yards just off of being stronger and – and faster than any of the uh, players on the defensive line, but that's not happening this year. And Jalen Samuels, on the other hand, was supposed to be the guy out of the backfield mm -hmm. that can make a lot of catches and help you in the passing game. Well, it's been James Conner that's been doing that a lot. Right. Jalen Samuels, of course, injured in this game. We don't mm -hmm. know when he's going to be back. Yeah. But then you got Benny Snell stepping up, and he's the guy that all of a sudden, hey, you can hand the ball off to, you can run in between the tackles. And and he was incredibly impressive. Just his, his shift and his yes. ability to turn his body to – get his way through tight holes, and then rebalance himself, square the shoulders downfield, and continue to run for another four or five yards. It was really great to see, and you hadn't seen a Steelers running back yet this year run that kind of way right. where you know he can kind of make a play that seems a little dead at the line of scrimmage. He can sneak through one of those holes and get four or five yards. Yeah, Benny was really good. I mean, honestly, I think he – is the unsung hero. He looked of this like game. a feature back. He did. And for the first time in his NFL career, it gave me flashes back to the, the bull game against Penn State. And everyone knows I'm a huge Penn State fan. That looked like that guy at an NFL level. Obviously, he didn't have the numbers that he did against Penn State, but it looked like Benny Snell football. It looked like the guy at K Kentucky. It looked like what the Steelers hoped for when they drafted him in the fourth round. It, it looked like man this might pan out and and I think it was huge for him to get behind that first string offensive line who played very well by the way um they they blocked well for him and and I think that's part of the reason that he was so good he just had holes to run through and and even when he didn't have the hole to run through as you said he made himself small and he got through you know what didn't look to be a big gain he turned it into four or five or sometimes longer um I just think the two running backs they really benefited from the offensive line probably playing their best game of the year. I think no doubt that the offensive line played one of their best games of the year, and they protected Hodges incredibly well. He wasn't sacked once. There was only three tackles for a loss the entire game, and in fact, Hodges wasn't even hit. Right. The Chargers didn't even register a single quarterback hit, and 
You couple that with running for over 100 yards and Benny Snell getting 75 of those 100 yards, over 100 yards himself. Yeah. It's a hell of a day at the office for the O-line, and they needed it. Yeah. They needed a confidence boost, Absolutely. and they got it. They were yeah. pushing bodies around like the old times back yeah. there. And I want to bring up that that play, the snap that went through Hodges' legs, the low snap from, from Pounce. That was the only negative from the That O-line. was the only Pounce, negative. Pounce was a little suspect and on I, a couple there of those. Maybe Pounce, he might be fighting a little something, too. I don't want to speculate, but that's a possibility. But... The reason I bring that up is to talk a little bit more about Hodges. He, most guys, and especially a, a third string guy, is diving on that ball and they're taking a big loss. And now, granted, that might not be the smart football thing to pick it up and try to make a play, but he showed his athleticism, picked that ball up, rolled a little bit to his right, made one guy miss, and threw the ball away. I, I That's a minuscule thing, but man, that could have been so much worse. And it just shows, I think, the athleticism of, of Hodges to be able to do that because if he doesn't do that all of a sudden it's third and long and you might be looking at a long field goal for boz granted boz has been very good money all year long he's been great but he didn't allow that to happen obviously he kept that drive alive and he turned what would have been a huge negative into well well it's just third and four now or whatever it might have been that's a hell of a play and that's something that i don't think many people are talking about but man that was that was a huge play and it showed his athletic ability but his smarts on that play because a young quarterback hell even a, a four-year vet in the nfl yeah. is going to pick that up and he's going to try to force the issue on that and i don't want to pick on him because uh, we do that almost every saturday when we get on this airway yeah. but a baker mayfield is probably forcing that ball into the end zone when, when he gets around that defensive lineman he's got a little room and to he's work. saying okay there was a fumbled snap but i i got away i can make a play here and Hodges the entire time was just getting away to throw the ball away. Right. I mean, there was no – I didn't think that at any point he thought in his head, I need to get the ball and throw nope. it to the end zone. I think the second he saw the ball roll past him, he said, oh, my God, I got to get this ball as far out of bounds as I possibly yeah. can because I am not going to turn the ball over right. here in the red zone because I'm sure, again, once the Steelers were up at that point, Feetner and Tomlin are pounding into him, hey, conservative, yeah. manage this game. Do not turn the ball over. Mm -hmm. Of course, turnovers are going to happen, but right. don't do it. A, don't a force stupid it. play like right. that and force it. And he didn't. And for a first-year undrafted rookie making his first NFL start, that's that's an incredibly savvy play. It is. Uh, it is. And I know we're kind of drooling all over an incomplete pass, but it's huge yeah. to be able to make plays like that if you're that young. Right. And, and if you're that inexperienced, and, and like I said, that that play could have been a loss of you know 10 to 12 yards and all of a sudden it was just a an incomplete pass like and it is a small little thing on on the the game as a whole but that really could have turned the game around and man i i was sitting there and as it happened like i'm probably thinking the same thing that that duck was as it was happening oh bleep here we go this isn't good but then all of a sudden it was like whoa uh, i mean it was an incomplete pass but really could have changed the impact of the game and Again, that's just a credit to Hodges and his athletic ability. Um, if, if he's smart enough to make that play, I'd like to see – you know, I don't want to see him play in the NFL in, in this year more. That means Mason's hurt. But uh, I would like to see that kid with, with, you know, more game experience and more savvy and more, you know, game experience under his belt. That's a, that's a savvy play. I've watched a lot of football this year to this point, and I know you have yeah. as well. You've probably watched even more than me, to be quite honest. I saw maybe the best drive of an offense in all of football that I've seen to this point all year, and it was the Steelers' drive to get their third and final touchdown of the game to go up 21-0. A 14-play 
86-yard drive that took up nine minutes and nine seconds. Basically ran the entire clock out on the second quarter and got a touchdown out of it. And you start that drive in deep in your own territory. Yeah. And at the, the time the drive starts, I'm just saying, okay, Duck, get the ball to like the 30 or the 40 so Barry can punt this ball away and keep mm-hmm. the Chargers back. Let's not have them flip the field, get a touchdown, make it 14-7 to seven going into half. But instead, it's a long, methodical drive that, again, had a lot of James Conner, had some Benny Snell in it too, and Devlin Hodge is making some clutch short passes all the way down the field for 86 yards for a touchdown. That's very impressive for a starting quarterback in the NFL to have the ball for nine minutes and nine seconds and get come away with seven points for a third string quarterback in Duck Hodges. That's unbelievable. Yeah. You it, can't expect that. It was my jaw was dropped a little bit. Yeah, his he also made a fantastic throw to Deontay Johnson early in that drive. I think it was their second set of downs. It was on second down. There was a, a seven yard out. And as he threw it, I was like, Whoa, that was a good throw. Short and left. It was it was you know, like I said, it was a seven yard pass. Like, oh, the world's falling here. It's a seven yards pass. But that was a hell of a throw, and it reset the change. It got it got them a first down, and, I mean, Hodges did that sort of thing all day long. He had a couple throws like that that were just whatever throws, but they made you say, wow, that's a kid that you'd think he'd be drafted if he's making those kind of right. throws in the NFL. It was that pass to Deontay Johnson, then later in the game when, when Moncrief finally got off the schneid and made a catch, it's a great ball. I know Moncrief had to dive to get it, but, but that was it. right yeah. where only Moncrief could right. get it, and he let it. You know, we said this a lot about Mason when we were a- analyzing his performances the past couple games. There's a difference between NFL open and college open. And in the NFL, you kind of need to throw guys open. Mm-hmm. And on that Moncrief pass, he was not open until Devlin Hodges put that ball right where it needed to be. And he dove down and he threw him open. And yeah. It was something it was great to see. Yeah. And Duck, uh, I, I, I think he, I don't really think he cares about NFL open and college open the way Mason does. He doesn't Probably have not. that. He doesn't have that mentality. Like we know, he's more of a gunslinger. But. He made some really good throws, and, and he kept like we kept talking about, like Mike Tomlin talked about in the in the press in the press after the game. They stayed ahead of the chains. They never got themselves behind. They never really had to put it all on Duck's shoulders and make him throw a 15 yard pass to pick right. up the first down. It was manageable stuff, and and that's a definitely a good sign if you're a Steeler fan, and a good sign for De- Devlin Hodges to say the least. If you're a pitcher in baseball and your offense goes out and puts up five runs before you even touch the mound, that's such a big confidence boost. So you have to think with Devlin Hodges, the defense getting on the board board early, Devin Bush scoring that touchdown, staking the Steelers to a 7-0 lead early. You you have to think it really helped Devlin Hodges out, and we'll get into that Steelers defense that I think really won them this football Mm. game in L.A. when we come back. This is Steelers Blitz with Tom Offerman and Kellen Gursky filling in for Euler and Motes. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Tom Offerman and Kellen Gersky, the Steelers Saturday crew, sitting in for Euler and Motes today on the Steelers Blitz. Hey, if you want to get after us, you got any thoughts of your own of the Steelers victory against the Chargers, you can get us on Twitter at ButtonPusher970 for me. At K underscore Gursky 34 if you want to talk to Kellen. Or you know what? Tweet us both. Tweet us both. Just put us both in a tweet. Share your thoughts. We'll get to those in a little bit on the show. But Kellen, that defense to me really carried this team to a victory yesterday and kind of knew going into the game if they were going to win, that's how they were going to do it. It was with the defensive side of the football. And 
one man in particular stood out above everybody else, and that's the rookie Devin Bush. He has been outstanding every single week. He seems to get better, and this was his masterpiece so far this yeah. season. He put himself on the map on a national stage in a big way. Yeah, for sure, and, and I, I do want to mention that defense as a whole real quick before we talk about Bush. I personally think that this defense all of a sudden isn't uh, – a, just a complimentary thing to this offense. They aren't just an opportunistic defense. They are a very good defense. And I think, seriously, when this is all said and done, this year said and done, this might be one of the best defenses in the league. And, and I seriously believe that. And they've gotten better every single week. And last night was a, a national showcase of how far this defense has come. And as you said, a national showcase of – what might be a budding superstar here in Devin Bush. I mean, seven tackles, a pass defended, an interception, a fumble recovery, and a touchdown. Man, is there really much else he could have done in that game or really any defensive player can do in a, in a course of a game other than that? No, and that's just the thing that makes me so excited and I'm sure makes a lot of you out there in Steelers Nation so excited for Devin Bush is he's still a rookie and he went out there and put up that kind of performance on the road in a big-time game against a really great quarterback going to go into the hall of fame one yeah. day philip rivers and you know that offense although it struggled it has weapons you got mm -hmm. keenan allen you got mike williams two yeah. really good receivers melvin gordon's back Hunter Henry's uh, back. austin eckler is a really good running yeah. back and they just absolutely shut them down they were in rivers face all game long and if devin bush is putting up those kind of numbers right now as he's still kind of you know trial by fire learning how to play linebacker in the nfl Whew, if he keeps improving, just wait a couple years down the road. He is going to be a, a – he could be a, a Wagner, a Keekly, mm -hmm. that kind of type of linebacker where other teams and, and the national media is talking about him as a straight-up game changer. Yeah, and I kind of have a little bit of a, a – uh, I don't want to say a hot take on Devin Bush by any means, but it kind of goes off of what you just said there. Bush is still learning. He's still young. And you saw some of the growing pains throughout the course of that game – you know, he's not always in the right place in coverage. He misses some tackles. You know, he went for the good old Madden hit stick and didn't wrap yes. up a couple times. But just imagine when he puts all of that together. I don't think this is going to sound crazy, but I don't think we've seen Devin Bush's best yet. I really I, don't. I agree. Absolutely not. And, and he's doing what he's doing now. He could be one of the best linebackers in our of our generation. Like, I, I firmly believe that. Like, we all thought the same thing about Ryan Shazier he could be better than Ryan Shazier, seriously. and He's already played a lot more right. than Shazier did his rookie year. I mean, and just imagine when he puts all that together, when he is able, you know, he understands to wrap up and he gets, you know, four or five more tackles in the course of a game. Uh, and I think maybe his injury hampered him a little bit in the second half. I mean, it wasn't a major thing, but he rolled his ankle and he, he was out there and playing, don't get me wrong. But I don't think, you know, his first half was a lot better, obviously, than the second half. But, man... Just think about how good he's going to be when he when he gets it all together, when he gets another year, maybe just next year, when he right. has a year of playing under his belt. This is a, a superstar we have on our hands here, and I'm using that in every sense of the word of a superstar. I he, agree. He could be, as you said, maybe one of, if not the best linebacker in the league. Right, and he's got a while to go to get there, but again, you see the signs early on, and that's all you can ask for is just to, to have that potential there, and, and it's definitely there. Every week you look at the box score, though, and he's right at the top leading the team in tackles, and that's exactly what you want a middle linebacker to do. And then on top of that, like we said, he's a playmaker. He's yeah. getting interceptions. He's returning fumbles 
not just picking up fumbles. I mean, that was an athletic play to get into the end zone. He had to pick up the fumble, stop, cut back a couple yards. You know, he, he backtracked a little mm-hmm. bit, ran across the field, and then finally dove into the end zone for six. That was not just a like a, a oh, the ball landed in front of me. Let me just scoop it up and, and, run, fu- and run right into the end right. zone. He had to make an athletic play to get in, and he did. Yeah, and it's funny. I, I, I don't know if many people notice this, but as that play happened, you know, obviously I, I thought it was a fumble as it happened live. But I think Bush kind of coaxed San, or I almost said San Diego. We were just talking about that. Uh, they he coaxed the Chargers into thinking that it was an incomplete pass because there were three or four Steelers around it, and Bush kind of went in with his arms out, like as if to say, like, okay, we're incomplete here. Then all of a sudden, he kind of looked around, and realized, wait, there's no one around this ball, and he slowed himself down enough to where the ball wasn't bouncing anymore. It was just laying there, scooped it, and as you said, he backtracked a little bit, but man, he hit that corner. That was a heads-up play by Bush, I think. I think his acting kind of made it look like, man, this is this is an incomplete pass. But then all of a sudden he took it, and everybody wasn't ready on the Chargers' side, and he just ran right to the end zone. I'm glad you pulled back that San Diego, just peeling the curtain back a little bit. <laughs> Off the air, we were literally just having a conversation where I told Kellen, I cannot stand that people keep calling them the San Diego Chargers when they're on the air, or even just in regular conversation right? in life. They are the L.A. Chargers. Yeah. You, we all follow football. Yeah. How are you still calling them the San Diego Chargers? Whatever. Maybe that's a me thing. Yeah. It's a pet peeve. I, it gets on my nerves. They're L.A. now. Get, get it right, people. It's the <laughs> L.A. Chargers. But uh, getting back to Devin Bush, there was a play later in that game when Austin Eckler, he got the ball. The Chargers were kind of starting their comeback mm-hmm. a little bit, and Devin Bush missed the initial tackle. Eckler stiff arms him and gets away, starts running for another three or four yards down the field. And the person that ended up making the tackle Bush. was Devin Bush. Yeah. And he got stiff arm, but he stayed with him. He showed that he has that speed where mm-hmm. he can run with running backs. And he ran with him stride for stride. And a lesser linebacker gets stiff arm, and Eckler's gone for another 10 yards. Right. Bush gets stiff armed, and he's like, oh, no, you don't. And he just runs right with Eckler for another four yards, gets another shot at him, and brings him to the ground. Very impressive to see that kind of speed from a linebacker. And Again, just another one of those things that you add to the list for the the potential and the promise of the future. Absolutely, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. And really, I think this defensive rookie of the year right now, right? Oh, absolutely, at least a front runner in that campaign. Yeah, and unless obviously, knock on wood, an, an injury happens or something like that, I don't want even want to put that on him. But, but I mean, he's making, he's playing, he's starting. Yes, he's the starter at linebacker now. He's playing almost every snap at this point for the Steelers, and he's effective in doing it. He's mm-hmm. leading the team in tackles. He's making, he's scoring touchdowns. He's turning the ball he has three turnovers in the past yeah. two games on his on his own right and that's just something that you know as a league-wide view that's defensive rookie absolutely right yeah there. i don't see how anybody could beat him at can't this even point. think of someone at no this point. off the top of my head i can't do it um but i, I want to you know we said it in the last segment about the offense it was kind of next man up that had that feel the defense was like that all night long and there were some injuries in the game throughout the course of the game that that happened that I, I would have thought would have hampered the Steelers. You know, Stephon Tuitt goes down, uh, Joe Hayden goes down, but the, the the second string guys came in and played like starters. I mean, Artie Burns was fine. He was fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he was the second leading tackler. He had six tackles, had a ta- uh, half a tackle for loss. And you didn't notice him too too much no. on the broadcast. I think he had a couple lapses in coverage sure. there, but it's going to happen against Phil Rivers, right? And, and I mean, I want to bring up Tyson Alualu. That guy, dude, he, played like a stud. He played like a stud, and in, in, in plays for Tuit, and you know they kind of had to 
flip the the script a little bit when two went down. They had to put some more guys in, Danny McCullers and uh, a couple other guys too. A uh, big part of that was Isaiah Bugs was yeah. not active. He didn't get a helmet, right. so you're already down a line in there. And then two, it goes down. It's like, uh oh, right. And, and Alu Alu, I mean, that pick that Bush had was because him. of him. Tipped the pass from Rivers. It landed right in Bush's hands. And Alu Alu had a couple nice plays too, where he filled gaps. I, I mean, if, if that's your you know, second or maybe third lineman, that's a pretty good problem to have. And as you mentioned, you know, Artie Burns got, you know, a start for the first time in a long time, and I thought he was fine. I think maybe that is his role. You know, I, we talked about that on the Saturday show. That might be his role. He gets a spot start every now and again, but he's played a lot this year. He's played some snaps, but he looked really good. And the guy I want to bring up is Cam Sutton. I- you were literally reading my mind. If you were going to stop talking there, I was going <laughs> to pick it up, and I was going to say, and another guy in that secondary that stepped up because of the injury to Steven Nelson was Cam Sutton. Three yeah. passes defended. Yeah, and he had that big pick at the end yeah. that, that put the game away. And he, I like Cam Sutton, man. I thought he was a nice little <laughs> I liked him last night, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, right. I, I think he really showed that he could, he's a, a pretty decent player at, at this level, and that pick he had was not an easy play. I mean, it was an o- over-the-shoulder pass that he hauled Holy in. Holy style. Yeah, uh, but uh, he he played great, and you got to tip your cap to the just that next-man-up mentality. It looks like the entire team now is kind of absorbing that and kind of taking that to, to the helm. Like, yeah, no one's betting on us. We, yeah, maybe my, the guy in front of me went down, but I'm going to play just like he does. And they got so much pressure on Philip Rivers oh, all yeah. game long. I know that there was only one sack that showed up in the statue. They hit him six times. Six quarterback hits. Four of those six were from Mr. T.J. Watt. So, yeah, he didn't get home at all and get a sack. I think he got half a sack with yeah. Chicolo, but he was in Rivers' face all game long. All he had a pass defense. Uh, uh, as J.J. Swat used mm-hmm. to do back in Houston, he swatted a ball out of the air from Rivers. And T.J. Watt is you – know, we talked about Devin Bush a lot in this segment and how he potentially can be a superstar. I think Watt's knocking on, if not already opening that door to being a superstar yeah. in this league because, again, only a half a sack on the stat sheet. He had about three or four tackles, but mm-hmm. he was just affecting the game all over the place. And that's what game changers do, man. Yeah. They take a lot of attention from that offensive line, and it opens up other guys to to dominate, and that's what Watt's starting to do. Yeah, and on one of those plays— I Plus, think he's missing to it. So yeah, right. His partner in crime, because Watt and Tewitt have been the most effective at getting pressure on quarterbacks all year, so his partner in crime goes down in that aspect. Yeah, and he was seeing a little bit more attention once once Tewitt went down, which is why I think you know maybe Alo Alo had a bigger game than expected. Right. But— uh, the thing I wanted to bring up on one of those plays, I think it was on the sack. I could be wrong, but I remember Rivers went to throw it like over top of TJ Watt, and Watt just left his feet and put his hands it up. And Rivers, and Rivers stopped. It was the sack. Just because of the fact that he left his feet and thought, man, he already tipped one of my passes. Right. He's that good was at after this. the SWAT happened. Right. He's like, I- I'm going to hold this for an extra second, then boom, a sack. You know, Chickalope I think Chickalope closes in, and then yep. Watt cleans it up. Yeah. That. That right there, he may not have, you know, he, he, I guess he went into the factor of the play after he got half a sack for it, but him slowing the play down oh, and man. making Rivers, you know, think twice about throwing over top of him, that's, that's what a superstar does. He was does. beaten up on that right tackle. Yeah, he was. I mean, just uh, absolutely out, outclassed. Yes. It was out of his league. And again, when you get that kind of pressure, good things are going to happen, even when you're playing a Hall of Fame quarterback. And, yeah. I think the Chargers wanted to go with a game plan where we were going to get the ball out quickly and, you know, only two seconds in the pocket. And still, pressure was in Rivers' face. And, again, that's – you said this earlier, the secondary has a lot to do with that because 
Keenan Allen was invisible yeah. out there for almost the entire game, and that's the guy that absolutely c- killed the Steelers yeah. last year. So great to see improvements in covering mm-hmm. a guy like him, even without Steven Nelson, your second-best corner out of the game, maybe your best corner with how yeah. they've been playing this year. Yeah, no, I agree. And and, and the, Minka helps that so Oh, much Minka's too. been great. I think he is he's really – flying all over the place. Oh, my god. Should have had a pick, too. Right, yeah, 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 he should have. But – I think that just shows why the Steelers did what they did when they went out and got Minka. I personally think that he has gelled so quickly and so easily with this team, and he kind of like has come into like a leadership role. I, I have noticed that too. Like, I feel like that last play where, where Rivers like had Mike Hilton by his jersey, which For I don't understand reason. that, but. Minka was the guy that was like getting him away from that, and like there wasn't much talking. He just got you know Hilton away. That's what a leader does, and I think man, th- this this kid, this Minka Fitzpatrick, because he's a kid. He's only what 22, 23 years old. Uh, he he's just gelling with that team so well. I, I really think he has been a catalyst for that defense, and it's a, a playmaker on that defensive side that. At least in the secondary, the Steelers, Steelers really haven't had over the last couple of years. And I guess some of the worry with him would be, you know, the circumstances that he left Miami under weren't the best. He's demanding a trade because they're tanking. He doesn't want to be involved in a tank, even though he was young and definitely going to be part of those Dolphins' futures right. when they f- eventually uh, say they get Tua in the draft this year and start to turn things around. Minka was certainly going to be a part of those plans. He's young. He's affordable. He's still on his rookie deal for another three years. But he didn't want to be there. He didn't want to play for a team that was losing and not committing to win every single game. So in the back of your head, you're a little concerned. It's like, okay, we're bringing in a guy who's not team first maybe all of a sudden. Maybe, right. But he's proven in a short sample size already that it was just what was going on in Miami. Yeah. The Steelers aren't a great football team, but it's clear that every week they go out there and they're trying their hardest to win that Mm -hmm. game. And the coaches are putting the players in a position to win the football games. So I think you're seeing Minka – is is accepting of that he's okay i'm finally here i'm getting a team and a coach that wants to win every game so i'm gonna give my all and he's not gonna be a problem on no. the field at all and no like you said he's done nothing but grow into more of a leadership role yeah. and tomlin's even spoken on the fact that man he's picked this thing up so fast just yeah. he's very cerebral player and going forward he could i could see him being a captain of this team i could too yeah definitely i mean he has, I mean, like I said just a minute ago, he's been that playmaker in the secondary that this defense has needed for a few years. They finally got it. You know, they're two and four right now, but they're not in a bad spot at two and four. And with the way this defense is playing, they're a matchup nightmare for a lot of uh, offenses. I mean, look at what they did last night to the Chargers. Especially when you're banged up like the Chargers. Right. Were. I mean, they're a matchup nightmare. They really are. If your offensive line isn't good, well, good luck because they got a good pass rush. If your offensive line isn't bad but your receivers aren't that good, good luck because the Steelers' defenders, their their secondary all of a sudden is at an elite level. This is a good defense. It's been one of the best defenses in the NFL, too, since Minka came over. Yes. The first two games are really inflating those numbers, and then when Minka came in, that's when you started to see this defense kind yep. of t- mold into a top 10, maybe even top five defense in all of the NFL. And, For sure. And hopefully they can continue to stay that way. Yeah, that's that's the hope, obviously. A lot more happened in the NFL this weekend besides the Steelers going to Los Angeles and beating up on the L.A. Chargers. 
We'll break down what we saw on an NFL Sunday and also talk a little bit about the Packers-Lions game that's coming up later tonight. So we'll, we'll bounce around the NFL a little bit when we come back. It's Tom Opferman and Kellen Gursky filling in for Euler and Motes right here on Steelers Blitz on SNR. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. It was a fun day in the NFL yesterday. I mean, hell, they even played a game in London. Yeah. How about that? A 9.30 a.m. start between the Panthers and the Bucks. That game wasn't that great, though, honestly. Jameis Winston turned the ball Ooh. over like 80,000 times. Yeah. So now we're going to spend that much time talking about that. Tom Opferman and Kellen Gursky here with you, filling in for Euler and Motes today on Steelers Blitz. If you want to get after us on Twitter, you can reach me at ButtonPusher970. You can reach Kellen at K underscore Gursky 34. And... I want to start in the division here, Kellen, yep. when we make our trip around the NFL, and I want to start with none other than the Cleveland Browns because they have the same exact record as your Pittsburgh Steelers at this point in the season now. they Both teams have gotten to that point in completely different ways where the Browns started the season with incredible expectations. Yeah. I mean, you could even say Super Bowl aspirations yeah. for some in that fan base. Right. I don't know if they should have been thinking that. But, right. but the hype was real for Cleveland, and now here they are after a tough schedule and a really tough start to the season, sitting at 2-4. and four. The Steelers, on the other hand, were kind of going into the season as an unknown. Mm -hmm. Still had Ben Roethlisberger, Hall of Fame quarterback, but you lose Brown and Bell. Not really sure what this team's going to look like. And you're worried, hey, the Browns and the Ravens are going to be pretty good this year. So who knows what this division's going to look like. And then, of course, Ben gets hurt. Mason Rudolph comes in. They struggle their way to two and four. And right there with the Brownies. Yeah. Tied for second place in the AFC North. And the Browns lost to the Seahawks yesterday. And it was a, it was a good fight from Cleveland. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of these games for the Browns are just that. It, they're close games. Of course, they got blown out by the Titans in the beginning of the season. But... Ever since then, they've been in pretty much every single game that they've played. They played the Rams tough. They just played the Seattle Seahawks tough at mm -hmm. home. And it just comes back to that hype for me. Yeah. If they didn't hype themselves up so much, this would be a totally normal growing pains kind of thing to go through for a young team like the Cleveland Browns with a first-year head coach just trying to figure things out. And the narrative would be so different. It yeah. would be, hey, they're a two and four team, but they are a good team. They have played teams really well, and instead, it's flipped to, <laughs> you guys thought you were going to go undefeated and go to the AFC Championship game and play New England for a chance to go to the Super Bowl, and now you're sitting at two and four. So, I think that hype train really is hurting the Browns a lot right now. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think the hype train has really hurt Baker Mayfield as well. Um, you know, we've talked about this at, at nauseum on our, on our Steelers Saturday show, but. I think early on and even more so, you know, throughout the year that I think they the Browns and company put too much weight on Baker Mayfield's shoulders. They're 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 making him be the focal point of the offense. And and last week obviously Nick Chubb helped that obviously and then this week he had another monster game on the ground. He was great. He's he's really good. I was watching almost all of that game and he is a top five running back he's in my eyes, good. at least this season in the For NFL. Sure. He's really good. He's really, really good. And and you would think that with him, you know, getting into his own and, and them leaning on Chubb a little bit more would make things easier for Baker Mayfield. Really, it hasn't. Um, Baker Mayfield's turned the ball over 11 times in six games. The That's the, the league NFL. lead. Yep. That, and he has another – I think he has 12 turnovers, so he's thrown 11 interceptions. He's fumbled once, but – Three picks in the game against Seattle, and you can't – if you're the Browns, you can't afford to 
give a team, especially like Seattle, with a, an MVP candidate right now and Russell Wilson playing quarterback, you can't give them extra possessions. And they just continue to do it. And Seattle, obviously, they're, they're a very good team, 5-1 and one now. Um, they're going to take advantage, and surely Russell Wilson did that yesterday. And we talked about how great this running back is for the Cleveland Browns yet. They passed the, they chose to pass the ball 37 times right. and only run the ball 24 times. It makes you scratch your head. What is Freddie Kitchens doing? You need to f- you need to rethink your entire identity if you're this Browns team. They got Jarvis Landry. They got Odell Beckham Jr. They have all these weapons. They want to spread it out and run and gun up the field. And Freddie Kitchens is an offensive-minded coach. He wants to scheme guys open in the passing game. But, man, you just got to go back to basics. And that's the thing as a head coach is you got to kind of swallow that pride at yeah. some points, kind of like how Mike Tomlin has been doing all year long is – I guarantee you Mike Tomlin doesn't want to run an offense where there's Wildcat coming out one week right. and then you can only throw the ball five yards down the field the next week. But he's adjusting to what he believes is the best way to win football games, and it paid dividends against the Chargers. And if I'm the Browns, I would just be a, a heavy jumbo package, run the football, really suck those defenders into the box because then you got guys like Beckham and Landry that can take the top off after that. But when you keep just spreading the ball around and – they're at fourth and goal, and they decide to throw a fade route to Odell, just force the ball to Beckham, and it's just like, what are you doing? You have one of the best running backs in football. Run the ball. Yeah, I mean, Chubb only had 20 attempts in the, in the running game. I think That's he, absurd. Yeah, That's absurd. He, yeah, and I think he had, five, he had five catches, so he had 25 touches, but 20 of them were at his He peak. was averaging 6.1 yards a carry. Yeah, get and him the ball. You only give him the ball 20 times? Right, right. It's kind of wild. And it's not like they were behind a lot in this no, game. No, they were For up most of the game, of they were winning. And yeah. then at the end, it was kind of back and forth. Right. And, you know, the offense that personally I think the Browns should go to is like what Minnesota does. They have a workhorse in Dalvin Cook. It's a very balanced offense. When, when the Vikings offense is rolling, and it's funny you brought that up, they just crushed the oh, Eagles yeah. 38-20 at home. But when that Vikings offense is rolling, you see what an average quarterback in Kirk Cousins can look like because right. he's got all the pressure and, off of him. And that's the offense that I think the Steelers are trying to adopt is we're not going to force the ball downfield all the time. We're going to run the ball. But play action is so huge. I mean, look at what Stephon Diggs yesterday did. I mean, he had, what, five catches for 140 yards and two t- or three touchdowns. That's the type of stuff that can happen when a running game works. And I think that's what the Browns really got to start doing. And you brought up Freddie Kitchens. I, I don't know if Freddie Kitchens really knows what he's doing, to be completely honest with you. I mean, they had, what, first and goal from the four, and they didn't get in. They didn't score any points. And then – Later in the in the game, or later in that same drive, uh, Minnesota ends up punting from their end, or not Minnesota, Seattle, Seattle ends up punting from their own end zone, and then they take the ball back over at the 20, and it's like, man, we really should not just be having seven points when we have two drives inside the 10-yard line, 20-yard line. I don't know if he knows what he's doing. I, I really I agree. don't. And he was a running backs coach before right. he became the offensive coordinator for a year, and then he became the head coach because Baker Mayfield wanted him to be the head right. coach. And why are you giving a quarterback like Baker Mayfield the credit that a quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger right. has? Or Rodgers or Ben Roethlisberger or decides, yeah, I want Fiegner as my offensive coordinator. That holds a lot more weight than a second-year player saying that he wants to keep a guy. If I was Dorsey, I would have been like, look, Baker, I get it. You love him. Well, It's great. But, like, we got to make a decision that's best for the entire team here, not just you, second-year quarterback, who hasn't, by the way, proven himself yet right. in the NFL. Yeah. So – I don't know. That's just a questionable. Uh, I agree with you. I think he makes a lot of questionable hey. decisions, and he's inexperienced. And honestly, he know. got he got taken to a master class the week before too with uh, Kyle Shanahan. Yes. Like 
Kyle Shanahan showed how you are an offensive-minded head coach mm-hmm. in this league and just took him to the woodshed. Right, and honestly, you know, you, you said how Baker likes him. That's really the only reason that he's the head coach of the Cleveland Browns right now. Because Greg Williams was the guy who took over in the interim last right. year and had them going on all those winning streaks. Right. Baker just didn't want to play for a defensive hardo like Greg Williams. Right, and i got to be honest with you, if this season doesn't turn around for Cleveland, I don't see how Freddie Kitchens is the head coach. Oh, he's year. the first to go. I, That's without Because, a you know, you have Super Bowl aspirations. You can't. You can't be two and five. You just you're two and four. You just can't. No, absolutely not. In the, the ways that you are two and f- five, where you have winnable games that you've you lost, you found blown, ways you've blown to lose. questionably. Right. Yeah. The other game that happened in the AFC North this week was the Ravens playing the Bengals. The Ravens held serve at home there and really are in the driver's seat now when it comes to this division. Uh, I know it was a closer game than people anticipated it being. They didn't cover that spread that everybody was taking, but four and two now for Baltimore. Yeah. Win over the Steelers. Do have that loss against the Browns, but they can, again, they can make up for that. Right. Really set themselves up for success moving forward. Although, like we mentioned earlier on the show, they got a tough schedule coming up in Baltimore. They got Seattle on the road before they welcome New England into town the next week. So, again, we're talking about how the Steelers, you know, they go on the bye and they beat the Dolphins. And then if they can pull it off against the Colts, they're four and four. The Ravens are probably most likely going to be four and four yeah because i don't see them beating seattle on the road and i definitely don't see no. them beating new england no i don't either and <laughs> and then uh, i'm sorry to interrupt no, but you got the ba- they got a little break with the Bengals after that but then they got to go or the excuse me they got the texans coming into town and then they got to go to la to play the rams so the ravens have some tough sledding coming up they really do and and uh, yes that game against cincinnati was a little closer than people expected but obviously Cincinnati took the opening kickback. They had a 7 nothing lead. I, I think uh, Baltimore had that game at arm's length. They, they, there really wasn't a, a point where I was like thinking to myself that Cincinnati right. could actually win. But uh, they only won by six points. So that uh, might tell you something a little bit there. But you're right. I mean, the Ravens did what they needed to do. I mean, Lamar Jackson, man, that kid's unbelievable. Career He's high in rushing. Unbelievable. Yards, 152 yards rushing and a touchdown there. Um I mean, and, and obviously that helps when Cincinnati has no linebacker play. Obviously, he took advantage and full advantage of what the defense was giving to him. It's them or the Dolphins now, right, my man. Right. Bengals or the Dolphins, who's the worst team in this uh, entire thing? At this point, I really don't know. I said on our Saturday show that I thought the Bengals was the best of that Of the three with the Redskins group, and the Dolphins, but now, yeah. I don't know. They might be right there with Miami. They might be. They have a little bit better of a quarterback, they do. right? Right? Oh, yeah, I like, think so. do they oh, though? Yeah. I mean, you, I'm left scratching my head a little bit because how are they this bad with Andy Dalton? Because he's not great, but he's been average his entire career. Yeah. It's it, it's a little shocking what's going on in Cincinnati. But we mentioned that the Ravens are going to be uh, welcoming the Houston Texans into town in a couple weeks here, and and they all of a sudden look like they are right there with mm-hmm. the Patriots as far as the hierarchy goes in the AFC. Maybe saying right there with the Patriots is absurd because I think the Patriots are kind of head and shoulders above everybody else. But uh, you need to have a second-best team. you got to have a team that's going to go and face them for a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And the Texans threw their hat in the ring aggressively as they went to Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs, who, by the way, have lost two times in a row Mm -hmm. at one of the toughest places to play in the entire NFL, Arrowhead Stadium. So you're wondering what the hell's going on with the Chiefs. And then you're also wondering, hey, these Houston Texans, man, they might be for real. Yeah, I think they are for real. I that was a hell of a football game. They by play the way. offense in Houston this they year, man. And it's usually all defense with like a Brock Osweiler thrown out there. But 
they found their guy in Deshaun Watson. He's the top three quarterback as far as playing-wise mm-hmm. goes this year. You got Mahomes, you got Wilson, and then I think you got Watson right yeah, after that. I agree. Yeah, he's been great. I mean, he had two rushing touchdowns. He did throw two picks, but he made up for it, obviously, with the two rushing touchdowns. And I, I think the biggest thing right now for Kansas City is, is getting Mahomes healthy because he's not he's not 100% out there. He's just not. And I, I think that's really hampered them a little bit. He hasn't been the dynamic playmaker that we've seen. And it's clear that the defense is still going to be a problem for these Chiefs when they play good teams. You saw Jacoby Brissett, who is an above-average quarterback, on a very good football Mm -hmm. team as a whole, and the Colts put up some points and beat them in Arrowhead. And then Deshaun Watson, like we said, is a great quarterback in this league, and the Texans' offense is outstanding. I mean, you've got weapons with DeAndre Hopkins, and Will Fuller has been playing great all Mm -hmm. year long, so... This is a Texans team that can put some points up, and the Chiefs are – it looks like they're willing to give up points again this year when you can play some offense. You're not going to have any trouble against that unit. Right, and I, but, like, you know, I think that is the the mindset. But, obviously, until Mahomes gets healthy, you might have to switch up the game plan a little Uh, bit. Yeah, I agree. You know, I I mean, Mahomes still had a nice day, 273 through the air, three touchdowns and a pick. But – Is this where they miss Kareem Hunt? Maybe. Is this where they're starting to finally see the little bit of Kareem Hunt? Yeah, I mean, Shady McCoy had a decent day, eight carries for right. 44 yards, but the team only had 53 yards rushing. So you might have to switch things up if you're Kansas City, at least until Mahomes gets healthy and hopefully, you know, for Kansas City's sake and for our sake, you and I seem to think that Patrick Mahomes is one of the best. I mean, the best he's, quarterback he's, in football He's right great. Yeah, I think he could be one of the best ever when it's all said and done. That's a long way away. But he needs to get healthy, and he's just not healthy right now. What was more shocking to you, the fact that the Niners handled the Rams in the way that they did, winning 20-7 to in L.A., or that the Jets, led by Sam Darnold at home, not only covered a seven-point spread against the Cowboys, but just beat them outright? And the Cowboys, all of a sudden, Ooh. you know, I said it on our Saturday show a couple weeks ago when they were 3-0, and I think they're contenders. I think they're a top-three team in the NFL, and ever since then, they've lost three straight games, and... They've fallen back towards the middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. They're still winning that division because right. the NFC East is not that great this year. Right. But, and, you know, Dallas going on the road and losing to the Jets is is a shocker. Mm-hmm. And th- to me, that's what's really eye-opening is how different the Jets look with Sam Darnold at quarterback. Yeah. They look like a, a solid eight-win, uh, nine-win football I, team. I think Sam Darnold's really good. Right, and it's going to be tough. Steeler fans, now that, you know, back on life support a little bit, mm-hmm. you're, you're looking ahead at the schedule – and maybe earlier on in the year, you had that Jets game in in the Meadowlands it's penciled in as wins. a win, but yeah. it's a different. It's it is an eight to nine win style Jets team now when Sam Darnold's under center. Right. I mean, obviously they're what one and four now. I don't know if they'll get to that point, but if he was healthy all year, maybe they would have. But I understand what you mean. I'm I, just saying they'll be playing at that kind of yes, level. They right. might only win five games this year because he missed so much, but you're getting a team that's competitive yeah. every single week right, now. Right, I agree. I think that's way more shocking to me than than uh, the San Fran beating LA. I think San Fran's for real. I, I have a Well, that was the game that put the nail in the coffin yes. in that, right? If oh. anybody had any doubt, it's over now. Right, I mean, yeah. They're favorites to win that division or i yeah. guess we'll have to wait and see what happens when they play seattle head-to-head but it's those two yes in front of the la rams at this point yeah no doubt and i have a good friend who i don't know if he's listening or not but he's a big niners fan and he's told me since the season started they're gonna be for real they're gonna be for real and i was like i'll believe it when i see it that team man they are good they are really really good and they've been a surprise but man they are for real and yep. they, they they shut down what a lot of people thought was a great offense in la 
it, with with the Rams, the Rams are struggling uh, to say the least, and and the Niners kind of exposed them a little bit. We've got another show me game tonight too for mm-hmm. a team that you know is taking some people by surprise in this league to see if they're for real or not, and that's the Lions heading into Green Bay. Very tough place to play Lambeau Field, yes, especially on a Monday night game because that crowd's going to be tuned up. Four yeah. four and one Green Bay Packers, so they're. They're right in the thick of things as far as contending in the NFC is concerned. But, you know, the Lions are 2-1-1. One, one. They played the Chiefs incredibly tough yeah. when the Chiefs came into Detroit. And if the Lions can pull off this upset, then all of a sudden it's kind of the same thing as the Niners, where maybe not to the extent that you have right, that same right, frame, right. but it's, okay, this Lions team can make the playoffs now. This is a legitimate football team, and it's just nice to see that you got two good teams playing against each other at this point at least on Monday night football you just hope it's a good game yeah I think and I think it will be uh, I think it'll be a, a very good ball game and uh, you're right uh, Detroit has been a, one of the bigger surprises in the in the year yeah they're two one and one but if, if they knock off the the Packers as you said that's that's a big deal it's an eye opener it's an eye opener for sure and it'll be interesting because uh, I can't remember. Is it Devontae Adams that's out for Green Bay tonight? One I, of the receivers is down. I think uh, it's Adams that's that's out. But if he doesn't play, man, that, it is Devontae that makes Adams. it a little easier for for Detroit, and that 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 really hampers Green Bay a little bit too because they don't have the greatest uh, supporting cast behind oh, them. They have no one on the wide receivers front, especially if Devontae Adams right. is out for the Packers. And I mean, then they have to, a, yeah. This is a team in Green Bay now that's defense and running the football oriented. I mean, Aaron Rodgers only has six touchdowns on the year so far. He has not been the same Aaron Rodgers this year, and he hasn't had to be. No, he hasn't had to be, right. But uh, tonight they might need him to be because I think Detroit will probably stack the box a little bit and make them run the ball with Aaron Jones. So Ro- it might be it, this might could be the Rodgers show. This could be the Rodgers show tonight. But well, it's funny. The only other game this year that was the Rodgers show, they lost. Right. When Philly came to town, and Rodgers right. was absolutely lighting it up. Mm-hmm. So it's just funny to see. You know, you rely on Rodgers, you get an L. You rely on the defense and running the football, you keep winning. Right. It's just funny. It's, it's weird. interesting. But yeah, I think tonight will be a really good ball game. But like you said, Devontae Adams is out. Darius Slay, a corner for the Lions, is questionable. Mm-hmm. He's a really good yes. defensive back. So Packers might catch a break there if they he could. can't go. But you know, every team in the NFL at this point is dealing with injuries, and the Steelers are no stranger to that. When we come back, we'll get into the injuries that happened in last night's game, how this bye week is so crucial for getting healthy, and hopefully, you know, the Steelers start to get some some regular players mm-hmm. back in their lineup before they play the Miami Dolphins in two weeks on Monday Night Football. It's coming up next here on Steelers Blitz with Tom Opperman and Kellen Gursky filling in for Euler Remotes right here on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Steelers got a big win in L.A. last night to move to 2-4 after defeating the Chargers 24-17, but wasn't all sunshine and rainbows for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They did suffer some pretty significant injuries during the win, and the first one that I want to start with and the one that sticks out the most is Steph Tuitt. I think yeah. it was a peck yes, is what pectoral, they ruled him yeah. out with. And later in the first half, he gets taken out of that game. And that's something that you really shake your head at because, and Tunch was saying it a little bit on the broadcast too, very injury-prone, Steph yeah. Tuitt. And it seems like we keep arriving at this point every single season with him now where, oh, my God, he's a freak. Oh, my God, he's the best – defensive end in the nfl perhaps Mm -hmm. oh my gosh this guy's a monster 
oh my gosh, this guy's hurt. Yeah. And, and it just seems like we keep progressing in that way. And he keeps getting better every year. Oh, for sure. I mean, every single year he comes back and he's a completely better player than he was the year previous. And this year was put, he was putting together an all pro caliber he was. year this year. Definitely going to make the pro bowl. Yeah. I know that doesn't mean what it used to, but he was, right. he was definitely on track there and he gets hurt and you know, a torn peck, if it is torn, yeah. wh whatever it is with the peck, that's not a good injury to have. And thank God the bye week is coming up for right. him because you need to it back. Although, like you said, Alu Alu stepped up big. He did step up big, but you're exactly right. And it is an unfortunate track that uh, that step two it's on because, as you said, you know, every year this seems to happen. This has been his biggest uh, talent jump, I think. Though this has been his, you know, like all pro type season. And unfortunately, you know, hopefully it's nothing big, you know, but by Cam Hayward's reaction after the game, you know, he said, we're what we're praying that it's not something serious. That doesn't exactly sound like a ringing endorsement that he's going to be, you know, able to go at least uh, against uh, Miami in two weeks. But, uh, you know, with the bye week coming up and, and obviously they'll have a better idea of how bad it is. But, you know, with, with the pectoral type thing, it, it, you don't want to have him out there and hurt it worse or. You know, a strain could easily turn into a tear in, in, a, in a game where you're using your hands and you're getting hit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he it's it's an unfortunate situation, but hopefully it's not as bad as it might be. And hopefully he'll be back in a couple weeks and continue what has been a really, really good year for him. And I hate to do this because it's still an NFL football game and you definitely cannot afford to lose it. But you get away with probably resting to it an extra week. Because yeah. you're playing the Miami Dolphins That's on true. Monday Night Football. So really you'll have like three weeks. You'll have like three weeks to recover from this. And that's just – there's no such thing as great timing for an injury to no. one of your star players. But this is the best timing possible for, yeah. for stuff to go down. And I would even expect if he is healthy enough to go against the Dolphins that you trust Alu Alu, you dress Isaiah Bugs, and mm -hmm. you just tell to it, listen, it's great that if this was a playoff game, you'd be ready to go. You'd be – suited up and, and impacting this game, but Miami Dolphins, we should have no problem getting pressure on Fitzpatrick right. or Rosen, whoever the hell they decide to start <laughs> that game without you, buddy. So just just let's sit on the sidelines for this one. Let's take this one off, just precautionary. So I, I do expect, even if he is better to play on Monday, getting that extra extra week off. Yeah, and you know, hopefully, you know, this could all be for naught. This conversation, but you can't rest your players. Right. Like, I don't right. want this to become a slippery slope where it's like, oh, he's st say Stephen Nelson comes back and his groin's feeling a little bit better, and well enough to play. Doc says he's not going to injure it anymore, but it's still just a little mm -hmm. tweak. You still got to play him. You, right. You can't just rest players because they're a little tweaked up because everybody's tweaked up. At this, at this point, point, yeah, we're week six. You know, uh, you're not at a hundred percent. You know, it's funny. I was listening to to Euler Motes. Uh, they were in for Tunch and Wolf this morning on ESPN and. Uh, Motes was talking about that. You know, you're really only 100% in an NFL season in the first day of OTAs. Every day after that, it, you know, by the time of the first game of the year, you're probably sitting at about 80 85%, honestly. It's just the grind of football, and, and injuries are definitely a part of the game uh, for sure, but it seems like this team has really gotten bitten by the injury bug early. But they're, they're making the most of it, and hopefully, you know, the injuries uh, this point moving forward aren't that serious. And, you know, the, the one I think that's the most concerning is to it. Obviously, there are some other guys that got beat up, but, you know, losing to it for an extended period of time could really hurt the defense. Watt and Bush both suffered injuries in this game, mm. too, but they finished the game. And Yeah, Watt was, I think Watt was on the sideline in the last drive of the L.A. game 
but he, you know, but he, he was, was in, still yeah. impacting the game yeah. until the very end, and then he uh, checks out because he's injured. And Devin Bush came out at the end of the first half, but then came back in the second half and played. Uh, I'll, I'll be his his level of play kind of took a dip, yeah. but still was able to go out there and, and Which play is sign, for the yeah. second half. Yeah, so those are two guys that I'm not worried about. No. Because maybe T.J. Watt you're a little concerned about if they played this week. But, right. again, with that bye week coming up, I expect Watt and Bush to be close to 100% healthy heading into that Dolphins game. And another great point you brought up about how you heard Euler Moats saying, you know, you're not healthy until once the OTAs ends, you're not healthy no. until the end of the season. But this is a good opportunity for everybody to kind of hit the reset button and you know, a couple other guys that are hurting, Mark Barron and Steve Nelson, those are two key members of yes. this defense, and you need to get them healthy because yesterday when Bush went down and it was just Bush and uh, Vince Williams out there, I'm looking around and I'm saying, so Tyler Matikiewicz, right? Like, yeah. th this is where we're at now is mm -hmm. where Matikiewicz has to play some serious minutes on this defense. So the depth at the linebacker position is not there for the Steelers. They're very lucky that Bush was able to come back in that game. Right, for sure. And obviously having Barron out in that game didn't help you. It really didn't. And But, you know, you got to credit Bush for getting back out there and, and, and playing. And credit even, Vince Williams for yeah, the He game. was good he last night. A, I mean, when Mark Barron is healthy and they have this, they want to rotate these three linebackers in and out, I mean, Vince Williams is – making it hard to take him off the field if mm -hmm. he's going to keep playing like that. That was the that was the Vince Williams we knew and loved back when Shazier was putting together his all-pro ear. And yeah. he was just his 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 partner in crime in the linebacker court, and he was just making plays all over the field. And that's what you saw Vince Williams last night because you had a guy like Devin Bush who was, who was kind of yeah. playing that Shazier and yeah. making plays happen himself. So the, it was great to see Vince. Yeah, there was a play in particular. It was on uh, L.A.'s fourth drive. I think it might have been late in the first quarter. He filled a, a gap on, on Melvin Gordon and met him right at the line of scrimmage. And that's exactly what, what, what Vince Williams does so well. And when he was out earlier in the year, I think the Steelers really missed that sort of downhill run-stopping banger. To say, you know, like that's what Tunch and Wolf always call him. He's a downhill guy. He's your best banger. And when, when he's out on that field, you know he's there. And he's going to make a play like that. I mean, he filled Melvin Gordon right at the line of scrimmage for a gain of like one, maybe a half a yard. He was really, really good last night. He was good in coverage last night, too. There was a couple passes he defended when he was in coverage. That's not his expertise, but he, he played a, a pretty darn good game last night. It's going to be exciting to see when they hopefully all three get healthy, this linebacking unit that they envisioned at the beginning of the year, you know, rotating in these three guys, Baron, Bush, and Williams. It's going to be very versatile, and mm -hmm. you're going to keep guys fresh later in the game. So Devin Bush doesn't have to play every single snap all of a sudden. That leaves it open for him to make a big play later in the game because he's got a little bit fresher legs than he would if he'd been – playing every single snap on the defensive side of the ball. Right. No, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. And, you know, I thought that the linebacking core was going to be versatile regardless, but it's it's really, really showing now. And when all three of those guys are healthy, really every facet of playing linebacker is covered with, with any combination of the three out on the field. And I think, and I think honestly, Tyler Medikevich, when he has been called upon, and even Chicolo too, they've filled in – Nicely. I don't want to see them out on the field all the time by any means, but they're a nice change of pace and a, a, a nice you know, couple guys to fill in if they're in a pinch, if there is an injury or something like that. They haven't harmed that defense by any means. It's, I still don't want them out on the field all the time, 
but you get it's my just drift. nice to have a guy like Chicolo that could spell bud or wide on right. a couple plays, keep them fresh yeah. so they're not playing every single snap. And you know, we've mentioned on our Saturday show before the thing with the Steelers defense is the starters are great. One of the best defenses in football when you look at the 11 starters. But once you get past that, the depth kind of isn't there. And right. injuries have helped, you know, hinder that. Yeah, I mean, the injuries have really kind of brought that to fruition. But what was nice to see is, you know, two, it goes out, so you need to use some of that depth with Alu and he plays like a starter. And, and of course, he's the one guy who's your backup that has first-round pedigree. Right. So he's probably your best player off the bench mm-hmm. if you're that defense. Then you have Barron out. You have a guy like Vince Williams step up, and you yes. know he can do that because yeah, he's been right. a starter it's for proven. this team for the past couple of years. But Artie Burns steps up for the injury to Steve Nelson. That's that's something that you weren't expecting, but it's so huge because, again, that depth just isn't really there in that secondary. So to see a guy step up that's not going to be getting big minutes usually whenever everybody's healthy and, and play really well, it's just a testament to – like Tomlin says, the next guy up. Yep. It's standard is the standard. You got to come. We don't. We're not going to ha- plug Artie Burns in and work around Artie Burns. We're going to plug Artie Burns in and expect him to play like Steven Nelson. Right, and that's it. that's the mindset you have to have. Obviously, if, if you know you're in a situation where there's an injury, it's got to be the next guy up. We can't miss a beat if someone gets hurt, and that's been kind of the mantra since Tomlin's been here, since he's taken over uh, years ago. That has been the mantra. Standard is a standard. Next man up. And last night, that was probably the most complete. I've seen that that standard is the standard mindset, the next man up mentality. Last night was the best description of that. Well, there's one person that we hadn't mentioned in this injury report that will most likely be back against the Miami Dolphins on Monday night, and that's the quarterback, Mason Rudolph. Right. He's on the sidelines against the Chargers mm-hmm. uh, last night, and he had a earpiece in. He was definitely helping out with the offense, and – Clearly, he's able to go to stadiums and right. be around bright lights and loud p- places. So he's definitely progressing through the c- concussion protocol very well. Right. You expect him to be cleared to play on Monday night. Right. So now you're starting to wonder, Duck Hodges, Mason Rudolph, both have wins under their belt. Duck Hodges got a bigger win against the Chargers on the road. Is there a quarterback controversy here in Pittsburgh? We'll we'll get into Rudolph versus Duck a little bit when we come back next to wrap up the show. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR with Tom Opperman and Kellen Gursky filling in for Euler Motes. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Tom Offerman and Kellen Gursky filling in for Euler and Motes on the Steelers Blitz today. And what a better day to fill in for them again, coming off of a, a big win against the Chargers, the first victory Monday of the year. Devlin Duck Dynasty Hodges getting the win in his first ever career NFL start and I hate to do this and I hate to be this guy but there might be a little bit of a quarterback controversy on our hands here when the Steelers return to practice next week and get ready for the Miami Dolphins on Monday Night Football because Mason Rudolph who was in the concussion protocol all week long is cleared and he's going to be able to play I imagine but you got a guy in Duck Dynasty that really didn't really shock and awe out there but he showed the ability to do everything that mason was doing and 
maybe a little bit more of a willingness to take a shot downfield too. So it's not an easy decision for the Steelers. No, it's not. And it kind of – the thing that came to my mind there when we went into this segment there in the break, you know, you mentioned if if Stephon Tuitt is, you know, able to play on Monday, it might be the best idea to sit him. And that same sort of thought kind of crept into my head when – you met, you know, when we came to break here, um, is if if you think that, uh, you know, Mason's obviously cleared the concussion protocol, or at least he's going to right. uh, by next week. Uh, you would think that, you know, you would want him to get back out there against Miami and, and play, but at the same time, do you want to rush him back out against a team that isn't very good at all? They're not. They're one of the worst teams in football right now. They might be one of the worst teams I've ever seen in the NFL. <laughs> Do you want to rush him back out there and and then have your you know what what is uh, your lifeline at this point? You're on life support. You're back. You have a pulse. Do you want that to all go away in one game? Now, granted, that would go away in one game if you lose that game. Granted, you know if you lose to Miami, this conversation is is way over. It, right, it's done. But if you think that you could win the game with Hodges at the helm. Would you rather have him start and have Mason dressed in case things go bad? If Hodge, you know what I mean, that that is a question. I, I I don't think for a second that 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 Duck Hodges is a better quarterback than Mason Rudolph. I'm not saying that. I don't all. think so either. I'm not saying that. But it's an interesting conversation. It's I interesting think to have. because you know concussions are anything to mess around with, and and yes, if he clears it, he clears it. He's able to play, but. It's it's interesting, and he got a win. Yeah, he won on the road. It's right. not. It's a different story if it was a if he played, if he played really well, but the Steelers lost. I don't even know if these conversations no. are being had. But the fact that he got the win on the road and kept the season quote unquote alive, it's on right. life support. But it's still they're still breathing a little bit. It, it just it makes you scratch your head a little bit more as to what they might do. And you're saying that maybe rest Mason one more week if if you think that you can get by the Dolphins without him. And it's kind of like what we were saying in the last segment about Steph to it yeah. is if you think you can get by without a guy who's really injured, why not give it a shot? But if they do go that route, I would like to dress Mason Rudolph. Right. But that also – I don't know. This is probably just my own paranoia, but I just feel like you tempt the football gods a little bit when you do stuff like that. Yeah. When you dress a guy that, because you're saying he could play. If right. You're oh, that's him. right. So you dress a guy, you put him on the bench, and you say, okay, Mason's going to be our guy, or excuse me, Hodges is going to be our guy. But Mason, if things start to get a little too hairy here, we're going to go to you. Like, I just don't know if that's always the best strategy because, say, it does get hairy and then you all of a sudden throw Mason in that game, the Dolphins team is going to be fired up. I mean, right. Because they knocked out a quarterback and now the Steelers are panicking. It shows that you're panicking a little right. bit if you're going to make the move to go to Mason Rudolph. So if you're going to dress Rudolph, I would keep Hodges out there for the entire game. I don't know if I'd pull a switch unless Hodges was like throwing five interceptions. Right. But if he's managing the game, there's if not it's a like a one-score game, I don't think you can pull the quarterback. No, but I think I lean towards just dressing and starting Mason Rudolph and having Hodges as your backup. And if Mason is struggling and can't go against the Chargers, I think it's easier to make that move mm -hmm. to bench Mason and put Hodges in. Other than vice versa, if Hodges struggles and you got to go to Mason, right? I hear. I mean, I tend to lead that way too. I, I think if he's good enough to play, you play him, and you get his legs back under him against the team. You know, he, he's been out of football for what will be two weeks. So he hasn't played a game in two weeks when the when the Steelers play right. Miami. So the, you know, you get his legs back under him against a team that's not very good, and he gets a chance to go a little bit. You know, maybe he's not 
seeing as much pressure as he normally would against a good opponent. He gets his legs back under him, whatever. I tend to lead that way too. But I'm just saying it's an interesting question that that comes up. It, it, it's very interesting. Obviously, we have two weeks before that happens, so we'll see. But I would much rather have Rudolph out there if he can play. But it's not. I don't think it's crazy to think that, that Hodges could start that game. No, I don't think it is either. And, again, it's kind of just like semantics here because we both are penciling in that Dolphins game as a win. Yeah, and oh, yeah. So sitting here at 2-4 and four heading into the bye week, you're kind of thinking in the back of our heads that, hey, you're 3-4. and four. Right. But then after that, you got a big game against the Colts where the Colts come into Heinz Field for a 1 p.m. kick. And if you win that game against a team that's good but definitely beatable mm – -hmm. All of a sudden, you are at four and four. Yeah, and there's eight games left in the season at that point. And of those eight games that are left in the season, if they can get to four and four, I'm not saying they're going to do this, but I think seven of them are winnable games. Yeah, and the only one that I don't put in that winnable column right now is the LA Rams coming to Heinz Field. Right, but based on what I've seen from LA, they're struggling. They're really struggling out there. I don't know if that's not a winnable game now. I think if they do get to four and four, what will happen is they'll go four and four down the stretch, and they'll finish at eight and eight, which could be enough to take the North it this year, be, honestly. Yeah. But I don't know if you know eight games, seven to eight of them are winnable. I don't know if they're going to go on some world beater run because there's always tricky games. Like I think you split with Cleveland. I yeah. think maybe you go to Cleveland and lose that game because they are very similar teams, yeah. honestly. I think going to Arizona. Has some tough. has some problems. Kyler Murray's really good. Makes you scratch your head. Yeah, I mean that the offense is going to be tough to stop. Buffalo coming into town mm -hmm. later in the year. They're a much better team than everybody Their expected them to be. Really Their defense good. is one of the best in the NFL. That's going to be a very low scoring game. I have to imagine mm -hmm. when Buffalo comes into town. So that's not necessarily a game that you chalk up as a win no. or as a should win. And then we mentioned this earlier in the show. Going to the Meadowlands to play the Jets is it's not as it's easy not as, we as, easy as we thought it was because Sam right. Darnold is going to start, and he seems like he's a really good starting quarterback in the NFL. He's going to make some mistakes. He's going to turn the ball over because he's reckless a little bit, and maybe that's something the Steelers can take advantage of. But basically I'm, I'm, what my point is here is that get to 4-4. Four and four. Yeah. That, That's the main thing. If you can get to 4-4 four and four, – then all of a sudden November starts and you are a football team with hope. You yeah. are a team that you know the fan base can start to buy in a little bit again. And again, you don't know what the other teams in the division are going to look like. You could all be sitting at four and four after that Colts game, or even four and five if the Ravens drop yeah. a couple more games. Right, and the, it's very doable. You know, you, you laid out the uh, the next couple games for Baltimore. They play Seattle, then they play New England, then, then they, they get the Bengals, they get but play then the Bengals, they get the right. Texans, and then there's another team that after that that's a, a very tough out. Right, and, and not to mention the Ravens still have to play the Niners. Right, so that's another tough game on their schedule because the Niners are a for real team. Yes. So it's it's not going to get easier for the Ravens, and no. I believe they have to play the Rams still, too. And I, right. I think the Rams are going to bounce back. I do, too. I don't think the Rams are a bad football team. But uh, that's why I think that, that matchup against Pittsburgh for L.A. is a tough one because you have to win those next two and be at 4-4 four and four when you play L.A. And if you lose it, you're 4-5. and five, But your, your hope is that everybody else isn't. Um, you know, they're, they're, they, don't, they don't gain any ground on you. It doesn't seem like on paper that either Cleveland or Baltimore – would be able to gain a, a ton of ground. You know, they might be able to gain one game maybe, but it's not going to be easy for either of those teams. I, I think Baltimore is the best team in the division. Yes. I think that if you had to just, you know, on paper, 
point to a team and say, that's who I think deserves to win this division. It's probably Baltimore. But that being said, they play a first-place schedule. Right. They won the division last right. year. In the uh, the NFC side that the AFC North draw, drew this year, one of the tougher divisions in the NFC with three teams that are playoff teams. And then a Cardinals team that's young and has a, a playmaker in Kyler Murray that can, their legs can sneak up on you. Yeah. So it is just a terrible schedule for the Ravens down the stretch in the season that you can fathomably believe that, you know, they could be – the Ravens could be 8-7. and seven. Mm-hmm. And the Steelers could be seven and eight, right? Heading into M&T Bank Stadium in the last week of the year, that could and that mean could the be division. It. Yeah, if the Browns keep struggling like this, then that win or take all a nine and seven Ravens team or an eight and eight Steelers team is going to take the AFC North. I mean, it seems like a pipe dream. And again, we keep talking very optimistically right now, and I don't believe that this is going to be the case. But you have to acknowledge it that not only is it a far fetched, you know possibility it's really it's coming to fruition a little bit like it, things are it, falling your way yeah. for the Steelers it's it, you, as you said it's a stretch but it's a possibility it's something that if you can you control your destiny at this point which I mean, is crazy at two and four after the Patriots and the Seahawks when they get the break with the Bengals the Ravens go Texans Rams Niners Bills those are very tough football games yeah I and mean at the best if you're the Ravens you probably want to go two and two in those games exactly Exactly, and just protect home field and right. lose in Buffalo and L.A., but it's going to be tough to beat the Texans and the sure. Niners, especially at home, because you know what travels well in the NFL? Defense and a running game, and yep. the Niners have both of those in space. Sure. So uh, schedule's tough for the Ravens. The Browns, you it's not control. not easy for them. But, you can, and the, but the Browns, though, with the Steelers, you control your own destiny right. with them because right. you're tied right now and you haven't played them yet. So right. you, you don't even have to worry about the Browns right now, and you don't have to do any scoreboard watching there because – you can handle your business yeah, you, on your if own. If you take two from Cleveland, that doesn't matter what they do. I think there's shades of optimism here. I, I, I think that moving forward that, you know, the Steelers can make a run at this thing. I do but too. It not, not, none of it happens until you're healthy. Right. And that's the big key with this bye week coming up is get healthy, get guys like Steven Nelson, Mark Barron back on the field. Hopefully Steph Tuitt doesn't see what stay Tuitt's out too long. Is, right? And long-term, I love the duck. I hate saying this. Long-term – Mason Rudolph has to be your guy if this pipe dream that we just laid out in this last segment is to become a reality yeah. and you're going to go 8-8 eight and eight with a chance to beat Baltimore and take the division at the end of the year. It's got to be Mason Rudolph because I think yeah. Devlin Hodges, they're going to start to figure him out. Right. right? No, absolutely. Not, there really wasn't anything to figure out against L.A. No. because the offense was so dumbed down and it was just running backs out Dumps, of the backfield right. and then effective running the ball with Benny Snell. But yeah. In the future, you know, your defense isn't going to get you up 7 nothing early. You're going to have to sling the ball a little bit, and I think he might be exposed a little bit there. Yeah, I think that the Hodges and Rudolph conversation only applies the rest of the way in that Miami game. I, I think that is where the line gets drawn. After that, it's got to be Mason It's got to be Rudolph if you want to have any shot. Right, it has to be. And that's nothing against Doc Hodges. He did what he was supposed to do last night. He, he did. you got to give credit where credit's due. But he's not better than Mason Rudolph at this point. He's just not. Well, it definitely felt good to get the win last night. Yes. It feels good sitting here at two and four. You're not really a laughing stock of the league. Nope. Like it was you were worried it might get to that yeah. point. But you're two and four. You're all of a sudden not right back in the mix, but you're right on the outside looking in, and hopefully you have an outside shot at winning the AFC North. But hey, this was fun too, Kellen. Blast. Glad we could fill in for, for your sure. remotes. Happy that those two let us uh 
take over Steelers Blitz today for them. They'll be back with you tomorrow. I think it's Euler and Carter tomorrow, yes. though, because Motes is off. So it'll be a full uh, Steelers Blitz tomorrow from 12 to 2 with Euler and Motes. We'll be back with you on Steelers Blitz, though, this Thursday and Friday of this week. Yeah. We look forward to talking to you then, Steelers Nation. Thanks for listening to Tom Offerman and Kellen Gursky fill in here on Steelers Blitz right here on SNR. <laughs>